hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. 101.9 High FM, Chai Chinuch with Rabbi G. We are back as every Monday between 2 to 3. We discuss education, how to make the world a better place, how to make us better people, how to make our kids better people, how to uh, educate the next generation. Basically, living in a safe, healthy, um, accomplishment environment. And healthy, accomplishment, and safe, is they always come together. And I didn't use those words today accidentally. We'll get to that later on in the show. Unfortunately, for in the meantime, uh, the communications, all the special ways of communicating, the WhatsApp, the SMS, the um, email, anything is down for right now. Hopefully, we'll come back later on during the show. So obviously, I will give the information if you want it, but we'll see later on when we get back. It's The WhatsApp for connection is 061-895-1019, or the SMS line is 34519. The email is onair.chaifem.com. However, today, if you have anything to say, in the meantime, the best way would be to call us. Just call in 010-140-3020. So if there's anything you want to comment about the show, about education, about anything you need, you feel is important that we're not touching on, please, 010-140-3020. Anything you want to share, add education, etc. Today... A few topics we're going to be touching on, and the first one, I have already a guest here in studio with me. Her name is Eliana Klein. She has put together a beautiful course to teach parents regarding um, eating issues, I would say. We'll hear from her um, later on exactly what we're talking about. However, in my eyes, this is a very important course, and I'll say where where I'm coming from and how I hear about this. Many times people have asked me in my clinic, on the show, probably in the shopping centers, when they're bored, whatever it is, when they have to ask a question, is it really true that they, how could it be, or usually it says, how could it be? How could it be that when I was growing up in school, everything was fine, nobody had uh, ADD, ADHD, nobody had difficulties, everything was perfect, and now look at our kids or usually look at our grandchildren so first of all it's not accurate um obviously there were kids with difficulties in the past no question about it maybe we didn't find them maybe we didn't treat them well but they were however there are many that say that yes it is worse today because of the way we eat because of the way we sleep the way because of the pressures we're in because of many many reasons but obviously eating and um our relationship with food for sure has an effect about how we, much we focus, how much we uh, uh, addict, how much we connect, and how do we actually um, live our lives? Is it an issue? Is it relaxing? Etc. So that we'll have to hear from the professional. So let's see in here, what is there, what are the frustrations? So obviously any questions you have, you want to join with us, please call in 010-140-3020. Anything you want to know about getting your kids to eat in a nice, comfortable environment way. Good afternoon, Eliana Klein. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi, Rabbi. It's so great to be here and finally meet you in person. <laughs> yeah, it's about time. So, course that was put together regarding um, eating behavior, you would say? Um, yes. Can I go back a little bit? Pleasure. Okay, so I um, 
have three beautiful children and my oldest daughter is five years old. My own journey into this came through my own personal experience. When my daughter was four months old, she stopped growing. She started growing very slowly and the doctors were not worried at all. I but took her you to, are a Jewish mother. But I'm a Jewish mother and I had okay. one job in the world to feed my child and to make her grow, so I thought. So for the next 18 months, I literally obsessed about her eating. I, I could tell you stories which would make you laugh now and I can laugh at now, but it was born on a terrible, deep fear that I had to make my child grow and eat as much as I thought she needed, no matter what. And I would try force feeding her, it didn't work. I would put egg yolk in her yogurt. Um, I was driven by a terrible fear that she was not growing and it was all my fault. So you're failing as a parent because your child is not growing physically? Completely. She was growing, just not as I thought she should be growing. The doctors were not worried. She was developing beautifully cognitively, but I had a deep-seated Jewish mother's fear. From where? From people in in the streets, from from friends? Because if the doctors are saying everything's fine, then um, where is the problem coming from? So you're touching on a very important point, that the problem comes from fear. Fear that something is wrong. Fear that things aren't going as we expect. And somewhere along the line, I got trapped in fear. And I spent about 18 months really worrying about it, planning about it, cooking about it, until one day I realized mealtimes are so unpleasant for us. I remember she was like this. She's this teeny little girl. She's still teeny. And we had this little um, table, and we would sit at and I used to like run after her and like putting food in her mouth. And she was so elegant about it. She would just simply open her mouth and she was full and just the food would flop onto the floor. But I never, I couldn't hear it until, and I say this with complete genuineness, I came across this model of eating called um, Ellen Satter. Ellen Satter is a professional in the States. Ellen Satter, okay. E-L-L-Y-N. Okay. S-A-T-T-E-R. And she's the most amazing woman. She is a social worker as well as a dietitian. So she understands both sides of it. And she basically has a methodology and a philosophy of what she calls raising competent eaters. And it's completely different to what people think your job is. Your job is to say to your child, you need to eat this and then you can have dessert. Right? Who grew up like okay. that? We, we grew up as the, the kids in Africa that are hungry. That's They're how kids we grew in up. Africa that are hungry. So you, need, exactly. so you need to finish your plate. And there's so much, especially today with the internet and the almost an obsession with health food and nutrients and omega-3s. There's so much information of what to feed your children, right? And it actually creates a lot of anxiety in parents. Um, and but I actually see, for some reason, many parents that are coming to me, that there's so much more information about what not to feed your children what not to feed them. than what to feed your children. What not to feed them. But your children like those things which you don't want to feed them, but not how to feed them. How to structure your day, how to structure their meals, what to do if your child says, I will not eat a vegetable, even if you pay me a hundred rand. Should you force them? Should you worry about it? Should you hide them in their dessert? Should you make them avocado ice cream? There's so many things. What happens if your child is a overeater that you think your child is putting on weight and you think they're too fat for what you want them to be? Which is a major issue. With, with teenagers and sometimes and the parent children. is actually, yeah, and sometimes and sometimes the parent is actually embarrassed in the image of their child. That is such a common thing, and eating in particular with parents brings up a lot of the parents' own challenges around food, around feeding, around image, around eating. And if we're not very conscious about it, we're going to pass these issues onto our children, and we're going to really inhibit them in their 
own relationship to food for the rest of their lives. Often when you talk to people who have eating disorders or any disordered relationship to food, the root goes back to childhood. My mother said, I always have to eat this. So we're not scaring the other parents and saying, well, if it does happen this way, you're actually going to uh, have a bigger chance of damaging your child. Well, if we're not conscious around feeding behaviors and feeding dynamics, we unconsciously are trying to do our best, but we often actually um, it will backfire. So we, we all want our children to be healthy, to grow, to be a healthy weight, to eat a variety of fruit and vegetables, to not be obsessed with junk food and be that child who just gorges at the party or the kiddush. But we don't know how to. No one ever said to us, you know, this is how to do it. They said this is what not to feed them. I know I'm taking a risk by having you here in studio. Why? I have a feeling I'm going to be a babysitter in my house for the next... Uh, a babysitter? <laughs> well, my wife would probably uh, want to join this course. Um, I would love to uh, have you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's going to come. Uh, I, we do have to take a short break, and when we come back, I do want to hear about feeding behaviors. When you say feeding behaviors, what do you mean? What is the concept? What are the things that we do that we can fix? I don't want to ask one of the things we do wrong, okay. because that we hear all day. What are the things we can improve to get a healthier lifestyle, to get a way to to our kids to eat healthy and properly. 101.9, we are talking about eating behaviors and eating dynamics and just passing on the proper way of eating for the next generation. Short break. We'll be right back. Two hours every weekday covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. 101.9 High FM, Chai Chinuch, We are back, and today's topic is a fascinating topic. It's about eating behaviors, eating dynamics. How much stress does food really put in our house, in our lives? And I have to say, I started off the show saying that, unfortunately, the Internet is down, which means no SMSs can come through Um neither the, the WhatsApps, the SMSs, the emails, and the dynamics of uh, connecting with the listeners. However, I already got two messages on my private phone. I guess people found uh, my number and feel that it's a very big issue. So I guess uh, the eating dynamics at homes is a bigger issue than I thought is actually is. And it's amazing how big of an issue. So I want to start with one of the questions that I got. A parent sent me, and surprisingly said, my child will not eat until he's so hungry he's sure he, may, he, he can even die. Then he'll eat. He refuses to eat until he really, really, really needs to. Is that something you've met, you meet? So it's hard to answer that question without looking at the background. But what I would assume is that there's become some kind of power struggle with the parent which has forced him into the behavior. Um, let me go back to what the foundation of this all is. And then okay. we can see what goes wrong or what, you know, gets a little distorted along the way. The foundation of this course is observing a newborn baby. A newborn baby, whether they breastfed or whether they bottle fed, you can never say to them, eat more because mommy made this specially for you. Eat more because you need to grow. If they are not hungry, you cannot Eat but more because mommy wants a good night's sleep. Because mommy wants a good night's sleep. Or there's a very boring conversation and she wants to walk away to the room to feed Because you. the doctor said that you're yeah. not on your percentile and you need to get there. You can not, by any stretch of the imagination, get a newborn baby or any baby to eat if they're not hungry. And if they are hungry, to convince them that they're full by giving them a dummy, a pacifier, as you say, okay. um, by going for a walk, by 
thinking that they overstimulated, a baby will tell you when they're hungry. Hashem, so how do we destroy that? Hashem has created every single person with the innate knowledge of exactly how much they need to eat at what time. Sometimes they're very hungry days, babies. Sometimes they're not hungry, just like sometimes we have hungry days and sometimes we're not hungry. With, with babies, it's much easier because they only eat one thing um, and they tell you quite vociferously. They don't really have power struggles. They don't, they ha- you know, on their own level, but there's much less psychological component to it. And they don't see that there's chocolate. And they don't see that if they tell their mom they don't want that, she'll go make them a toasted cheese, even if he's had toasted cheese six days in a row, three meals a day. So what happens is that we don't believe that our children know how to eat. We don't trust them. I'm going to have to stop you yes. before you say another message came in. So if anybody wants to join us and doesn't want to be live on the radio, you could call in and I will hear your question without putting you on the radio. Okay. 010-140-3020. I can't read everything off my phone right now. So you can feel free to call into the studio. 010-140-3020. You were just saying that we believe that our okay. children don't know how to eat. We believe our children don't know how to eat. We don't trust them with eating, and we teach them not to trust themselves. So with the mom or dad who just phoned in and said, my child will not eat because until he is literally starving to death, I'm assuming that somewhere along the line, this mom got worried about this child, the son. Fear overtook trust, and she began forcing, bribing, coercing, um, exercising her control over what he needs to eat, and it it might have become a power struggle. It might have become an emotional thing. And this child does not have the emotional space to feed himself what he needs to eat. Now, some children, this is another premise of the course, need to eat a very little bit. They don't have a lot of nutritional needs. At different stages in their life and their development, they have different needs. Sometimes a toddler is notoriously picky and parents struggle because this child was eating beautifully till they were two and suddenly it won't touch anything besides white pasta um, and yellow cheese. Because that's what their body needs right now? Because that's a developmental stage, a psychological stage. And another premise, there are four premises, is that it's not about what our children eat in a day or a meal. It's what they eat over a period of time. So you'll notice your children that when you implement these methods, some days they won't eat a lot and the next day they can eat a half a chicken if you create the space for them. It's not about what you eat in a day or in a, a meal. That's very surprising. I haven't heard that before. It's very it's surprising really... and it's, it's – sorry, I'm interrupting. Go and ahead. It's so <laughs> amazing because since I've implemented this, I love watching my kids self-regulate. So often on a Sunday night or I'll offer just um, – you know, we've been out a lot and we've been out for Shabbos and parties and they haven't eaten – what I would have liked them to eat. But I trust that they will bring their body into balance. And often I'll give them a meal of fruit and vegetables and nuts, and they'll just eat and eat and eat because I know they have enough room to self-regulate. Sometimes I'll put pasta on the table, and they'll only eat the pasta. Sometimes they won't touch the pasta, they'll only eat the chicken. Their bodies know what to eat. They know when they need more protein. They know when they need juice. They know when they need this. But when we get involved and we tell them what they need to eat in order to to get a reward or to get a certain outcome, or we start pressurizing them, they lose touch with that innate sense of what they need. But how does it work in a reality life? Let's say you have four or five kids. One today will eat pasta, the other one will eat today chicken, and the third one will eat today cheese, and the fourth one would want today nuts. Amazing. Uh, so how, how do you alternate? I mean, I, it's hard enough cooking Amazing. one meal. Amazing. So another premise is we never, ever cook more than one meal. So here's how it goes in a big family. I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners are going to love this. In any Here, family. never, ever cook more we than... We never, ever cook more than one meal. But one you meal. also have to use your seichel. So we call it... Um, 
We call it. What do we call it? We call it um, Ellen Satter's Division of Responsibility. And this is the golden, um, what's it, the golden? The golden rule. The golden rule in all of raising an intuitive eater. It says, what is your job and what is your child's job? Okay, so we, we get very confused. So if you think of a big line down the middle of a whiteboard and a, a parent has a very simple job. They decide what gets served, when. And then your when, child could come and say, but I don't want this today and I can't stand when, this today and I'm not going to eat it today. They, they, you decide what gets served, when and where. That is your job. What, the child's, job, the child's okay. job is whether he eats, what he eats. And how much he eats. So on a practical day-to-day basis, it looks like this. I say we'll make for supper spaghetti bolognese and I'll serve cucumbers and tomatoes on the side and maybe I'll cut up some strawberries. I'll set them out on the table so your kids can feed themselves. That's a big part of it. Do or you make sure they all come to the table at the same time? Family meals is another big part of it. They, it's, it's, you don't have to eat, but you do have to sit at the table. So you're talking about, you know, the, the tenants of this. That's a big thing. Structured family meals. It gets complicated when your kids go to extramurals and whatever, but you figure it out that if you can, once a day, that you have a meal. So you want it to be a pleasant environment where it's talking, where it's interacting, where it's not about I'm counting how many beans you are eating. You mm. cannot have more pasta because that's starch and you haven't had your broccoli. Right? So the mother puts the food on the table. She either serves plates or not. And from then on, she doesn't say a word. Now, it sounds impossible. It sounds it, it is it impossible. Sounds impossible. Then we have to let go completely. Let Basically, what go. you're saying is let go of your kids. No. You let, let them eat. Their job is to eat, to grow into the bodies which Hashem gave them. It might not be the body which you want them to have. They might be thinner, taller, fatter, skinnier than you want them to be. But that's irrelevant to what you can do. You can't change the outcome of their body. And often, if you worry that your child is going to be overweight... By focusing on it, by limiting them, you actually are statistically increasing their chance of being overweight. Hashem gave them a genetic makeup, and their job is to eat what they need to eat to grow into their own body. It's a total, even when I say it, it's so foreign to what we think. Um, It's basically let go. It's basically let go. You put your, and it is so hard. Every mother out there who's saying, I can't do this. If I don't make him eat the vegetables, he will never touch a green thing in your life. Let me give you a beautiful story, which, which, um, which really, which really demonstrates uh, the value of okay. this methodology. And then we can go to a question. When my daughter was growing up, my oldest, who I uh, almost gave an eating disorder to, and I say that not lightly at all and with no humor or anything else like that, she, I would love, I desperately, desperately wanted her to eat avocados. Avocados are a superfood. They're high in fat. They're high in protein. They're just fantastic. And I would feed her avocados and feed her avocados. And she would never eat an avocado because... I needed her to eat the avocado. Finally, when she was about two, I stopped force-feeding her, and she learned to eat by herself, and it was a process, and she's an amazing eater. My mother always tells me how she'll come and she'll say, why don't you put the cabbage salad on the kids' table? And she loves junk food, and she loves all food. She's adventurous. Yesterday she ate lentil, Moroccan lentil stew, and she loves steak, and she loves sushi, and she loves junk food, but I trust her implicitly with her body. And so anyway, she loved avocado. Sorry, I go she back. Lo- eventually. She, no, no, no. Yeah, so, okay. she, so she, she, she would never eat avocado. her avocado. Now, avocado as a mother is a great food, especially for babies, right? Because it's instant. There's no cooking. And it's just 
a fantastic superfood. It's known as a superfood. Finally, I stopped offering avocados to her, stopped force feeding to her. They were probably on the table a lot because me and my husband love them. And because it takes three days till you know when it's ready and it's take, stuck with, the, with it's you. A, it's yeah. a staple food in our home. <laughs> and on Pesach this year, I will never forget it, we had a whole bunch of guests and one of the guests was a friend of hers and she asked her mom if she can have mashed avocado on matzo with salt. My daughter was sitting next to her and said, can she taste it? Um, the child said yes, and my daughter now loves avocado. I give it to her like every second day because she asked for it or because it's there. And what was so amazing for me to watch is because we often say our children are picky eaters. When we give them the room to decide how much and what. To decide, to explore without any pressure. Taste this because it's healthy. Don't taste that because it's bad. We keep another tenant of this is we keep food neutral. Food is food. We talk about it. You know, carrots are good for us and they make us grow. But we don't ever say food. This food is bad for you. You know, we talk okay, about. But then you'll have a child that wouldn't want to eat. He'll wake up in the morning and he's so anxious to go to school or late, etc., nervous to get his stuff together. And he will not eat or she will not eat. So, so it, then it takes a bit of ingenuity and flexibility. I don't have that in my home. But I don't know what the school allows, what the school doesn't allow. You might want to send a very filling sandwich before you, school if he doesn't want to eat there's some people who don't want to eat in the morning i know it's very anxiety so provoking to send a child to school with no food my kids eat in the morning and on the occasion that they don't i'll send them french toast in their lunchbox and i'll tell the teacher please let them eat because at my daughter's school they can't eat anything except fruit and vegetables you have to be a bit flexible you have to be a bit considerate if your child does not want to eat in the morning forcing him to eat is not going to make him enjoy eating it's not going to make him but he's not eat. functioning Will come, a parent will come and tell you, well, my child does not function when he's hungry. So you, it depends on how old the child was. You could also discuss with them. 38. <laughs> Who's the, is that you? Uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying. We never Do, give up our children. It's all ages. We also talk to our children. So let me tell you another beautiful story. Okay, which, and then we'll have to take a short break. And, and then, then we we'll take continue. a short break. And, I'll, and this, will, this will go into what we were speaking about in the break offline about desserts and junk food. That is another huge area of trauma for parents. Every Shabbos party, every um, Kiddush, every dessert, every birthday party is a trauma because you or child is the one who just wants to eat junk. If the junk is there, my child will eat it. If I don't force him to eat, he will he won't eat. Let's just go back one second to the picky eaters. So the mother puts the food on the table. She doesn't say a word and in time the child will have space to eat what his body needs. And they'll slowly or quickly start to expand their repertoire. Picky eating is because we don't trust our children to eat. They demand something. We say, this is the meal. They say, fine, I'm going to bed without I supper. Wish, I wish we would have had our SMSs running right now. Uh, however, if you do want to comment, you'll just have to call in at 010-140-3020. Uh, we will get back. We do have to take a short break, and we'll get okay. back to the desserts right after the break. 101.9, Chai FM, Chai Chinuch G. Eating behaviors, eating dynamics, I guess it's much more powerful than I was expecting on this interview. Stay with us. Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. 101.9 High FM, we are back in an amazing discussion regarding food behaviors and food dynamics. But before we move on, we have a very important reading to do. Whiskey and Spirits Live is on the Santon Convention Center from 8th to 9th of November 2017. 
having hosted the world's largest whiskey festival for the past 14 years and following global trends, Whiskey and Spirits Live introduces select premium spirits for for tasting, including gin and vodka, to the impressive lineup of over 290 whiskeys under one roof. All tickets include a console bottled water, water, 16 tasting vouchers, and a glass. Buy online tickets from Ticket Ticket Pros at Ticket Pros at CO at ZA for a discount on tickets sold out the door. Don't forget Whiskey and Spirits Live, 8 to 10th of November. Whiskey Live supports responsible drinking. Now, no under 18s allowed. And going from responsible drinking to responsible eating. So we did promise the listeners right before the break, and time is running out, that we're going to touch on desserts. But I do have one question that came in, and I had a few questions that came in privately. One of them is something I hear too much that I can't, I have to uh, um, send you, okay? A parent sent me that they have a child that eats a lot. He's healthy. He's a bit overweight. Um, and they're fine with it. They're very happy with it. And they're getting lots of pressure from their grandparents. The grandparents could see the child and say, you can't eat so much. You're eating. You're going to be fat. And the parents feel that he's healthy. He's fine. Just stay out of his life and let him grow healthy. How do we work with that? This is a very, very common problem that there's pressure from someone in the family, whether the parents or the grandparents or the aunts and the uncles, which are not happy with the child's eating, that they're eating too much, they're eating too little, they're too fat, they're too thin. So firstly, kolakavod, well done to the parents for trusting their children to knowing that their child has their own body and their own genetic makeup. Out of interest, at different stages in our children's lives, they eat more and less and are bigger or smaller. So sometimes before puberty, they put on a lot of weight or more weight than you'd expect, and they often slim out as they grow. Um, Toddlers eat much more because they have much more high-fat requirements. If your child has a healthy relationship to food, is eating well, that they're not pigging out or binging, um, and you can see that, and and their body is what their body is, well done for trusting it. How do you deal with the grandparents? So there are a few different things. The first thing is to, if you have a relationship with the grandparents, which allows for this, to explain to them that David is eating well, his pediatrician's happy with him, his doctor's happy with him, it's going to make him feel bad about himself. You know, this is his body, and maybe he'll slim out, maybe he won't. He eats beautifully, and research shows that any negative comments about food, weight, actually will drive levels of obesity in the future if you have that relationship with them. And then empower the child. You might have to take a stand and say, please don't talk like that in front of my child. There's research, which I can direct you to after the show, which shows how dangerous it is. And then also empower the child to not listen to what other people say about his body. Straight out, even if it means don't listen to your grandparents. Yeah, say, your say you could say something thing. like, "Granny, Grandpa and Grandmother have love you so much and they care so much for you, but they understand the body in a different way how we understand the body. And our job is to eat and to be healthy and to do exercise. And they might say um, things. And you, this is a very important tool to give all children because about image and body consciousness, which is not part of the discussion today, but is a huge part of the discussion in general. That just let go and let your child well, you give know them, the Give best. them the tools and, and, and say to them, they mean well. Um, you could work with it in a few different ways. You know, I'm happy to discuss it with you on a personal level, but you don't have to let it go. And preferably to explain to the grandparents how detrimental it is in a loving way and to help them see that it's not helping the child. 
and actually, yeah, it's usually even damaging the child. Very so damaging. So a very short amount of time. So yes. use the, the desserts. Okay. What so about the dessert desserts? Thing. The scariest thing. Okay. If you don't finish your food, you will not get dessert. Okay. So desserts, junk food, Shabbos parties, freaks parents out of their brains. Okay. I say that with Wait. all honesty as I know that is. So you very cannot very get much. away from junk food in the world. You can offer your child when they're zero, one, two, three, the healthiest, most organic, most beautiful meals. As they get older, you have less and less control over what they eat. So one of the things we have to equip our children with is a healthy relationship to all kinds of food, from sweets, from Smarties, to yogurt, to chicken, to broccoli. And the way you do that with junk food is so counterintuitive to parents that they actually can't accept it. And I still struggle to get my head around it, but it works. You have to include them on a regular basis as a normal food. Why? Because any type of restriction of getting on a diet leads to obsession. So um, today we're having for supper chicken, rice, and sweets? Chicken, rice, and sweets? Yes and no. So you decide what works for you. The one thing they, the one um, method which I haven't used myself is you serve one per portion of dessert at a meal with the meal to every person. So you serve the chicken, rice, potatoes, and you say everybody gets a bowl of ice cream. You can eat it when you want. Okay. You don't want any feelings of scarcity or deprivation around any food. Ask anyone who um, didn't have chocolate when they were growing up. They're obsessed with chocolate. But it's scary because your child can come home from, uh, from shul even with scary amounts of sugar. And, and so, everybody comes and gives them out to the kids, and, and, and it's and it's massive amounts. What do we do with that? So as I was saying to you in the break, I've seen it with my own eyes that when children have access to sugar, and it's not a special thing. It's a neutral thing. It's not like we never – firstly, we never reward with food. We never punish with food. We never coerce with food. We never bribe with food. We never say, eat your chicken so you can get dessert. What does that teach you? That chicken is the obstacle, and dessert – is the best. Why but do you have to force me to eat it if, if I don't want to? Because it obviously isn't so good for me. But that's not the life we live in because I send my child to school and the teacher will bribe him with, with sweets and, and his tutor will give him a sweet for doing well. So how do I teach him that that's not special if so, everybody's giving it to him to be so, special? So if in your home, what it is is what he'll believe it to be. So I sometimes give my kids um, – um, treats when they go to swimming. Sometimes they really put up a fuss to go to swimming, but as long as it's not the norm, every single time they cry, you say, come have a cookie with mommy. They learn that feelings are uncomfortable and food fixes them. Yeah. Every single time that mommy goes to work or goes to a shearer and the children cry, you say, don't worry, Abba will give you a sweet. What does that teach them? They can't bear difficult feelings. We never, you don't want that to be their overall relationship to food, to, to I'm calling it junk food. We don't even call it junk food at home because you give it this like elusive category that it's so special. So it's so counterintuitive to my beliefs around food is I've actually learned to bring sweets, biscuits, chocolate into the house in the week and offer it in a completely neutral manner. So sometimes in the week I'll bring out a box of ice cream and I'll say, who wants some ice cream? And that will be our afternoon snack. Why? Because when it becomes normal, they'll have – I've, I've seen my kids. Then even it's my, counted in – their normal food and they know to save it. And they don't need to they save need to it. Abuse it. They don't need to abuse it. They don't need to pick out of it because they know they're going to get it. I, I've often, um, on Rosh Hashanah, I gave my kids a big bag of trees because I was going to shul and I was shocked. Even I was shocked. The next day, I found half of it uneaten. They ate, they enjoyed it, and when their body told them it was enough, they stopped. They stopped. And it is the most amazing thing to see my kids, even my son, who likes sugar more than my daughter, he'll take a lollipop, take a bite or take a, a lick, 
and chuck it away. So, mommy, I don't like it because he it's not he knows he's going to get it enough, and it's it's not restricted. It's not offered every single day. We don't have dessert every single day, but there's enough of it, and it's offered in such a neutral manner that there's no fear of deprivation around it. So you you actually have to bring. More of it into the house, especially in the beginning, if your children feel deprived. And in, then it will be... In order to make it just like another food group. It's, it's a hard one, and wow. we can discuss it. We will it have works. to discuss it. Maybe it's very um, uh, special. This has been a very, very... Um, uh, in- Lots of new information, I guess. I don't even know what the word would be, and that doesn't happen to me a lot. You will be able to find the recording of this on the uh, website of the radio. We do have to come to an end. If anybody wants to be in contact directly with you, I know you have courses running, actually one starting tomorrow. Um, how do they contact you? So the best way is via my cell phone, 078-139-9075, or you can email me on Eliana. E-L-I-A-N-A, Hendler, H-E-N-D-L-E-R, at gmail.com. I do private consultations, groups, and as you can hear, I'm very passionate and so look forward to working okay, with so each of you. Okay, so that was Eliana Klein. You give us your cell phone number once more, one more time. 078-139-9075. And as all shows come, great shows, this one has come to an end as well. Thank you so much for being with us. I was Rabbi G. As we do every week, Hi Chino from 2 to 3 on Mondays. We'll see you next week again. Thank you.